We're in a study in the book of Ephesians. We come to a place now where Paul has told us of the great revelation of God's love to not just the Jews, but to all nations and all people. Recognized it was a mystery hidden in God, a plan so geniusly and well executed through the obedience of Jesus, his son, to call this bride of Christ from From the beginning of time, God had purposed a plan to draw a people who would become the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve him eternally. And now Paul commends us that if we are that bride, that we are to walk worthily of the calling we've been called to. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner of Paul, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. One. One. That's the message. To be a people that are one. You can't do this without the unifying power of the Holy Spirit. We could get together for a while, but we're going to argue, we're going to fuss, we're going to fight. We're going to have fractions and divisions, and it's unfortunate to see that in the church. That is the work of men. That is the work of boards. That is the work of denominations. That is not the work of the Holy Spirit. And so God is calling us into oneness, and he's saying you must walk in a worthy manner of your calling. How many of you are saved here this morning? Can I see a hand? Then you have been called of God. Those of you who aren't saved and are sitting in our pews, I believe you're called of God. You just got to make that decision to respond. You're here for a reason. God wants you to come into his kingdom and understand what he has for you in his eternal glory. But Paul says this, I urge you, I urge you, I urge you. This, This isn't just a a request. This isn't, please think about this. It is a demand, a command. It is something he's calling the body of Christ to. I urge you to walk in a worthy manner of your calling. So we all are commanded to walk in a worthy manner because we are called. In other words, if you're called, you have a purpose. Everybody in this room has a purpose. You've been called by Jesus. You've received him as your Lord and Savior. You now have a function and a purpose, and you need to walk in it. You need to walk in a worthy way. See, now that also gives you the sense that I can walk in my calling and walk in my Christianity, but not so much in a worthy manner. You been there? You know others like that? Okay? Take your eyes off everybody else, look in the mirror, and you walk in a worthy manner. Let's inspect our own hearts. Let's walk in a worthy manner to our calling. Well, what are we called to? He called us to what? And he goes on later in those verses to say he's called us into a unity of one. Our calling to be, is to be one. One people. There are the lost and there are the saved. We are the ones. All right? Everybody talks about Israel being God's chosen people. 
They continue to refer to Israel. Yes, but they're God's chosen people. Do you not understand that you've been grafted into that and you are God's chosen people? God has a plan for Israel, yes, but they still have to come through Jesus and to become chosen in Christ. So we are those chosen people. And so we're called to unity. And he puts it very simply. He says, there is one. There is, we're called to be one body of one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. There it is. That's the call. One body, one spirit, one hope. Because why? There's one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism, and there is one God and Father of us all. It is a complete oneness in Him. It is the prayer of Jesus Christ that we would be one as He is one. We have been invited into the Godhead. Peter says that we are partakers of His divine nature. That we would partake in that. Come on. That's an invitation into the very nature of God. God so believes in this that he cleansed us. He he gave us an ability to die on the cross with his son so that he could remove sin so that he could invade your life and live in you. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how intelligent you are. If you trust in Jesus, God comes to live in you. Come on. God's living in us. He, he's committed to this thing. How about you? I think that's pretty scary for God to look at me and go, yeah, I think I'll take up my abode in him. I don't know about you, but I think that's absolutely radical on God's part. I'm going to go live in these people. Wow, really, God? That's scary. But he said, my spirit is going to lead them. I've got one body. There is one church. Now, I don't, whatever you put on the sign out front, you put Baptist sign, you put your Methodist sign, you put your Catholic sign, you put your whatever it is, all these diverse doctrines and theories and so forth, within all of those buildings, there is one church. Just because you go to church don't mean you're part of the church. Because you make confessions doesn't mean that you are born again. You must be born again of God's Spirit. And so we have to understand we're born again so that there's one body, that the Spirit of God, there's one Holy Spirit that brings the one body together, and there is one hope. One hope is that our only hope is Jesus Christ. You can't have Jesus and add something else to him. It's Christ and Christ alone. It is the finished work of the cross. That's why we call it finished. You can't add to the cross. It's not the cross and your good works that get you saved. It's the cross by which you do good works. It is the cross. It's not another saint. It's not somebody else added. It's not some prayers from somebody else in heaven. It is Christ and Christ alone. And it is accomplished by our one hope, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. We have one Lord. And we have one faith. That's why there are divisions of of different groupings, because many add something to their faith. They they say it's Jesus plus, or Jesus that, no, there's one faith, one true church, and that is through the scriptures and through the gospel. 
One faith, one baptism. Ah, okay, well now we're going to get into some fights here. One baptism. What baptism? Did you sprinkle or did you dunk? You legit? I just got a few sprinkles. It's not about the mode. It's not about the mode of baptism. It's about the baptism that immerses you, the spirit who immerses you into Christ Jesus. That is the baptism. You can be saved even without water. In fact, you are saved without water. The water is the demonstration of what has already inwardly taken place. It is the obedience to the salvation and baptism you've already had into Christ Jesus. That is our salvation. And there is one Father who through His one Son put the one Spirit in us to make us one body so that we would be one all in all. So if you want to walk to that calling, okay, then you need to do three things, He said, so that you are worthy of that one calling. He says you do these three things. Number one, You walk in humility. He said, with all humility and gentleness and patience, you bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. So the first thing we need to do, if we're going to walk worthily in God, right? Micah 6, 8, he loves this. To love justice, right? Mercy. And to walk humbly before our God. So we have to have humility. Do you know why we have to have humility? So that we would respect one another. Paul puts it this way in Colossians and in Romans, and he says, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. This is where we start getting into divisions and opinions and judgments. He said, we're to walk in humility. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. True humility is the quality of not being overly impressed by your own self-importance. How many of you are impressed with yourselves this morning? Hey, you made it to church. All right. That's pretty good. Combed your hair. You're doing good. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about having to put yourself up and someone else down. But to walk humbly before God is the opposite of having pride or haughtiness or arrogance or conceit. Now, that's what the world's trying to teach everybody. The, the American uh, intellect is, is a really unusual one because we're trying to teach everybody that they're the, the best person that they can be. They're, they're wonderful. They're awesome. They're, they, everybody gets a ribbon for participating. You're, you're just wonderful. And they've shown uh, tests throughout the world on mathematics and science and uh, different tests with students from around the world. And they've shown that uh, those who have highest achievements in arithmetic and math and in science, arithmetic is math. Okay, I'm getting there. Uh, uh, just all these different things. You know, America, it, it grades lower than other nations. Other nations have a higher rating, but yet Americans have a higher self-esteem than any other nation. They think <laughs> they haven't achieved the high ratings, but they think they're better than everyone anyways. 
They feel real good about themselves. If you look at our books at bookstores, it's all about the best you and, and, and who you are and this and that. And, and it's so contrary to what the Bible's saying. Your self-esteem comes from who loves you, God. Jesus said to his disciples who were arguing between themselves who was the greatest. These guys, he says, look at it. The one who will be the greatest must be the servant of all. Humility, humility is the key to be humble. Someone who can be humble is secure in their identity. I don't have to prove anything to anybody because I know the love of God in my life. I don't have to be first. I can wait on the timing of God. But he also says this, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. But there is an ought to. Don't put yourself above everybody else and you're the super guy, you're awesome, you got, you're smarter than him, you're smarter. Don't, how many of you ever did this? You scout out a room. I'm better looking than them. I think I'm smarter than them. Probably more talented than them. I think I'll be funnier than them. You're working the room to find out where your placement is. Everybody does it. Don't look at me and go. <laughs> We're so insecure. But once you get insecure, once you are secure in who you are in Christ, you can walk in humility. You can honor someone else without you having to get the applause. You can let someone else shine and thank God for their lives. But there's an ought to. You also don't have to put yourselves down. Humility isn't like, oh, I'm such a wretch. I'm such a loser. I'm so humble. It's not that. You don't have to put yourself down. All you really need to do is lift up others. Understand the ought to, that you are loved by God. You're chosen by God. You have a purpose by God. He's in your life. And now just esteem others. God will exalt you at the time you need to be exalted. So we don't have to put ourselves down. Just lift others up. Walk in humility. He goes on and he adds to this. And matter of fact, the word before humility, he says, all humility. Walk in all humility in everything you do. Everything you do. Be humble. Don't put yourself down, but just esteem others. You go first. Esteem others. You did a great job. You're amazing. And then he says, add to that gentleness, meekness. Peter says that's how we're to respond to others. I'm going to remind us of this in 2020 in election year here. When Peter says that we are to be ready to give an answer, an apologeo, an apologetic, uh, a ready defense of the gospel to those who ask us for the hope that's within us with all gentleness and humility. Right? So what is gentleness? It's a mildness. It's a meekness. It's speaking the truth in love. It's having a tender heart. We're not trying to hurt. We're not trying to win. You put humility and gentleness together, and basically what you're getting is Jesus. He walked in a gentleness. You, you can understand. Look at half the time people are angry and bitter and have to win a fight is because they're wounded and hurt and insecure. Anger is the number one armor of wounded people. 
When you begin to realize that, Proverbs says that a quiet answer turns away wrath. Don't get into the same spirit that they're offering you. Move in the opposite spirit. Move in the spirit of Jesus. They're moving in the spirit of the flesh, moving in the spirit of the world. Don't respond in the same spirit. So if they're all in your face and all angry, respond with humility and gentleness. And it will penetrate the woundedness of their heart. And so if we're going to walk worthily of the Lord, we as a people, in order to maintain unity and oneness as a church, must walk in humility and gentleness. That is is leadership. That's strong leadership. He then adds to that patience. Long-suffering. I like that word. Well, I don't like it, but I mean, it explains patience. Suffering long. Right? How many of you have suffered long with some relationships? (laughs) I love to see the way you put your hands up. (sighs) Just putting your hand up was like long-suffering. It's like you read it all over you. It's been 30 years. Come, Lord Jesus. Patience, (laughs) long-suffering, slow to anger, Can you imagine the patience of God with us, his people? We're so quick to judge, so quick to be angry, so quick to be impatient with others. Patience is operating on someone else's time other than your own. To be patient is to rely on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Got to get going. Got to do this. Got to do that. Come on, you're too slow. What's up with this guy? Come on. We've been waiting for our food. Hello. I'm not going to leave a tip for them. I'll just leave a trap. Beautiful. Beautiful. But if we would walk in Jesus, I believe that we could attract more people to the love of our Savior. If we would walk with humility and gentleness and patience with people. Many times to break through that hard crust that is presented today, it's going to take humility, gentleness, and patience. But what it takes most of all is in the body of Christ, humility one with another, gentleness one with another, and patience. That's to walk in a worthy manner of our calling. See, I thought walk in a worthy manner of our calling is to be able to just preach and pray and call out things and cast down demons and yeah, Jesus, power. That's what we think is worthy of the calling. But it's the character of Jesus himself. You know, while we're worshiping Jesus and we're exalting him, He's not up here going like this. He's moving in the pews, touching the broken heart of someone who's weeping and someone who doesn't know what to do. While we're extolling his virtue, he is gently restoring and patiently working with those who are broken and fallen in sin. While we're looking down our noses at them because we know they fell just once again. 
You understand what I'm saying? How are we ever going to be one body if we're all broken into individual personalities? He goes on, with patience, he combines it with bearing with one another in love. And I love that word, bearing with one another. Basically, it means this, tolerating each other. Tolerating each other. How about that? You put up with somebody? Are you still tolerating with someone? You, you, st- you came back to church again this week. Still sitting in the pew with those people who drive you nuts. Welcome to the church where we tolerate one another. The church of the assembly of God's love, where we will tolerate you and put up with you with patience. But that's, that's really what he's calling us to do, right? We're under our breath when you leave. You just go, oh, God, oh this guy's driving me nuts. You got to blow off some steam every once in a while to get back in the fight and... Am I hitting it? On, am, I, am I talking right here? So th- these three things, you don't hear a lot of sermons on how to recover a church, how to build a strong unity within the church. It's humility, gentleness, and patience with one another. It's putting up with one another without getting offended continually. Continually be offended because of what people say to you. Right? I mean, how many of you have been offended by your children throwing up on you when they were little babies? Pooping on you. Spitting up. I love watching my grandchildren eat. When they don't want to finish chewing what they were chewing, they just go... (laughs) Could you imagine adults doing that? I think it's great. I, I sometimes wonder what it would be like for adults to act like kids. It would be hilarious, wouldn't it? We actually do. We just do that in private. You know, but if we would spit up on each other and this and that, we do with our words and our actions and our deeds. And we've, we've got to walk in humility. We've got to walk in gentleness. And what he says is this. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. That statement that Peter makes, he says that we're to love each other deeply because love covers, it's a continual covering of a multitude of sins. We are a messed up people, an imperfect people, and we are being transformed. And in order for us to continue to stay together, work together, we have to be humble about this, that none of us have arrived. We have to be gentle with each other because most of us are wounded and hurt. And we have to be patient, tolerating each other with a love that'll cover our stupidity. Is that okay to say that? If you were humble, you'd receive it. <laughs> and, and this is what he says about that. Eager to maintain the unity in a bond of peace, maintenance. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Remember, we started off with, I urge you. Now we're ending with, eager. There's a lot of passion in what he's saying. I'm urging you. We need this oneness of Christ. 
oneness in the Spirit, oneness, and the way we're going to achieve it is humility, gentleness, and patience in love covering each other, so be eager to maintain it. Jesus put it this way, if you know you have an offense with a brother, go to them. Or if you know your brother has offended you or sister, go to them. It's the same either way. He gets you coming and going. If you've offended someone, go to them. If they've offended you, go to them. Somehow work this out. Now, sometimes there's a long span of time between that. You've got to figure out how you're going to maintain and gain the humility and the gentleness by which you're gonna, there's going to be some level of reception to what's being done. But as the leading of the Spirit, we have to maintain this effort of unity. We are going to offend each other. We are going to hurt each other's feelings. We are going to create a problem one for another. We have to learn and be eager to figure out how to maintain a unity and a bond of peace. And in the end, it's because we are one body, one people, one hope, one spirit, one faith, one baptism under one Father. And Jesus prayed this prayer. He said this, Father, I am in them and you are in me so that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. This is everything Paul's saying. We're the church. We're the pillar of truth in the earth. We are the body of Jesus Christ on this planet. And if we can't get along, and if we are not displaying the character of Jesus, then the world isn't going to believe in Jesus. It's really simple. And this is where the church has lost its credibility. People don't want Christianity. Even our young people who grew up in the church are leaving it because they just don't feel it's viable to their life. Why? Because there's no humility, no gentleness, and no patience with one another. They rode home in the car with you. They heard you in their house. And how we talk about each other, how we feel about each other, and our attitudes towards each other. Now look at, of course we get each other riled up, and of course we get mad at each other, just like siblings do. But we restore, we're eager to maintain, eager to work at restoring it, and as Paul says, as best as you are able to. And so there is a unity and a oneness that we must walk in, which would cause us to walk in a worthy manner of Christ. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, your blood has sanctified.